0: Before we start on with the show, the Second Generation Banana Podcast would like to acknowledge that this is a Canadian podcast in Edmondson, Alberta, and is hosted on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional meeting grounds, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Dené, Blackfoot, Soto, Nakota Sioux, as well as the Métis. We acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries. Thank you for listening. Everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Qui Eric, and you're listening to the SGB Second Generation Banana Podcast. And every episode, we dive into real and entertaining stories with a hint of some whitewashed Asian flavor. Uh, thanks for tuning in again, guys. It's been a bit of a hiatus. Um, um, I know I've taken a couple weeks off here just to deal with like uh, deadlines from work. Um, it's been been a minute. Um, I know this because you know I, I turn on the mic today and. I realize there's a bit of some dust that I need to clean, so that's all good. Um, as always, you can find the show on Anchor FM and Spotify and just wanted to to I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank all the listeners out there. We've hit over 450 listens. Awesome. Uh, combined on our uh, episodes. Today will be our 10th episode. Um, you can find our social media on Instagram and Twitter at uh, SecondGB underscore official so that's at 2ndgb underscore o f f i c i a l the music for the podcast and sound effects are found on epidemic sound make sure to check that out they have a one month free trial um where you can just you know look up the sound effects for the show uh as and another thing i wanted to throw in was you know it's been a while um since i've given him a shout out but I wanted to promote Austin T as well. Austin was a friend of mine that did the artwork for the podcast, the cover art. You can find his Instagram at top underscore koala underscore T. So that's at T-O-P underscore K-O-A-L-A underscore T-E-A. This episode was recorded on Zoom. um, And here we go. So it's been a bit of a difficult a couple of weeks since the last episode came out, uh, so much has happened. So much has happened. We like, like the last episode that I talked about, we were talking about how the Oilers were getting into playing the Blackhawks, and then you know, I <laughs> there's all the stuff that happened with Alphonse, Alfonso Davies, David Davis, Davies, um, all this stuff going out in the world, but then about a week ago, um. There was another incident with police brutality, and it's like it's been a shitty year. Hey, Jacob Blake, 29 uh, year old black man and, and father, uh, on August 24th, 2020, was shot in the back seven times at point blank range by officers from the Kenosha Police in Wisconsin. In a video posted to social media, Blake appeared to have been stopping a fight that the police were called for. He was walking away and getting into his car when officers had their guns out and one grabbed the the tail of his tank. As he attempted to enter the car, seven shots are heard and Blake went limp. His two children were witnesses to this. The officers, um, they were unnamed uh, at the time, but I believe, just taking a look here, one was uh, uncovered to be police officer Rustin Shesky as uh, one of the identified officers, um, you know, like, came in and, and shot this dude in the back like see, this is why protests happen you know like all this shit fuck um it's just it's just been really tough um as a result um there have been protests once again i'm happy that there are they this is the, these events just keep happening um and it's it's we, there there needs to be change um so Jacob Blake is currently in the intensive care unit in the ICU after surgery um, from being flown to Mo- Milwaukee. Um, he's currently paralyzed from the incidents, um, I believe, when he he was handcuffed to the hospital bed. You know, no justice, no peace, right? We, we talk about George Floyd, we talk about Breonna Taylor on, all the time on this podcast. The officers at haven't been <laughs> arrested um, in the Breonna Taylor case, John Mattingly, Brett Hankison, Miles Cosgrove, Joshua Janes, they remain walking free. It's been four months, you know, it's, it's been four months since the protests happened and then police officers think that they can go and just get away with this. And for like, we, you know, it, it's tough. We just need accountability. Um, and then in more recent news last night, uh, Chadwick Bozeman. 43-year-old actor you might know him from 21 Bridges, 42 the Jackie Robinson movie and most notably Black Panther he he died last night after a four-year battle with colon cancer um he passed away in his home with his family and his friends and you know Chadwick was uh was such an inspiration he was when when Black Panther first came out they talked about how it was going to be like an all black movie um and like that's huge representation is huge he was a superhero you know i was watching all these videos last night of like um like kids like and other not just kids like people like talking to him telling him how much like the movie meant to him like seeing the representation on film like having black people not just depicted as like thugs or gangsters but like as superheroes and and like these these, you see these this generation of kids like uh going for going to like halloween dressed up as black panther they're so happy they're so proud um and it, it's really sad like it, so you know take take this moment um and and just if you're listening you know think about like people really don't understand um the struggles that other people are going through so just let people be i know i know a couple videos came out of like chadwick uh, He. He, you know he looked really frail like weak um and you know it was all over the internet and people were making fun of him and and the entire time the dude was going through colon cancer you know so um that's tough um but i think it's it's important to to talk about these things it's important to talk about police reform black lives matter all these things and not just like because like it's it's news um, because like these these are people you know these are real life people with with families and I don't know tough times tough times
1: Uh...
0: I don't want to put a damper on it and on everything for today like I did want to continue with my podcast like I, I do think it's important to see these things that being said I'm very proud very very proud to introduce this next guest onto the show this guest is my cousin um he is uh (laughs) i consider him a famous famous person uh renowned dancer um born here from edmonton alberta uh creator of the group cool giraffes which has represented canada in the mega crew category at hip-hop international in phoenix arizona he has performed for over 20 years started dancing at the age of four years old with the barangay dance community um this man has been known for his powerful performances Athleticism and endless energy, proving to be a talented director, and naturally fell into that role of director, uh, choreographer, and instructor. You can check out He's his Instagram, thawing. full of videos. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting through this. And before the pandemic, he would constantly travel to LA. Um, he he bought. Uh, I helped get his LeBron jersey, and um, that's true. <laughs> this this is a sexy, sexy guy, everybody. Uh, I know you'll be interested in finding out. Uh, his um, his Instagram page later. If you haven't already heard of him, feel free to slide in his DMs. Randall Mella, everybody. What's
1: up?
0: Hey Randall, thanks, thanks for, for having uh, me, man. Joining me on the show. What uh, what have you been up to, man?
1: Um,
2: just lately, I've been really busy with dance. There's just like usually at this time of the year for the dance season is when a lot of camps happen. So there's a lot of like last, like not last minute, but there's like a lot of teaching opportunities for just like other studios. It's like you're, you could be like the guest to the studio They're like, oh, we've never really learned from this person that often. So do you want to just come in and teach the kids? And yeah, so it's that, that time of year. So I just finished teaching a camp in St. Albert this week. And nice. on Monday I leave to Fort Mac. To teach another intensive and set some choreography, and then I come back, and then it's my nephew's baptism. So, yeah, weirdly it, busy at the end of the month.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Mateo, right? Mateo's bath baptism. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so I've got a bunch of questions here laid out for you. We can just go through them, um, and then at the end of, it, I've got a little bit of a surprise. So, we'll get to that later. But Surprise. I guess for the people, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the people that don't really know you a whole lot, I know he said a little bit of an intro here, um, but let's start at the very beginning. I, I know a lot of, I know you've done like a ton of videos. Um, I know you've flown, like I said, flown back and forth from LA. You're very Hollywood now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, let's get back to the roots. So, why don't we start at the beginning, Randall? Who helped pave the, the foundation? of dance for you and, uh, who kind of inspired you from the jump?
2: Uh, okay. I'll try to summarize it. Cause it's kind of a long story. Like the more I think about it, it actually is kind of a long story, but, um,
0: okay. so I started
2: with a uh, Burungay. That was like, uh, my very first dance studio. It was, um, it was a Filipino studio. So the actual full name of barangay is Philippine Barangay Performing Arts Society. And what we centered ourselves around in that studio was actually learning traditional, Filipino dances, like folkloric dances. So we would like dance with bamboos, we would dance with sticks, we would like dance on benches. The girls would like dance with candles. So or there was one dance where the girls had candles on their hands and a candle on their head and they would dance. But sometimes they would balance pots. There's like all this, all sorts of, can I swear? Can yeah, I swear of on the podcast. There's yeah, all of sorts of cool shit. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was so it was tight. But at the same time, in that studio, we were also learning hip hop. And um, the hip hop was typically taught by my Ninong, who is to me, queer angel. And he actually, he showed me a lot of just like what the world of hip hop was. So he was like showing me about like what break dancing was. I think, I think I don't know if he's the one that introduced me to the Jabbawockees or if it was my brothers. But at some point in my life, I was just introduced to the Like Everyone knows the Like if you're a Filipino, you know the Jabbawockees. If you're anything else, you probably know the Jabbawockees still, especially now. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, they were the first people to introduce me to them, and I just thought like what they were doing was so dope, and they could do it all. They were just they were breakdancing, they were popping, they were waving, they were gliding, they were just doing all this. They just looked so dope, and they had these masks, and like I just wanted to be, like that. So as much as, like I was in the studio learning fil- Filipino dances, it was like the hip hop that like really, inspired me, and then at the same time, my brothers used to just download videos on the internet of just videos called like swipes and the video would just be like an eight second video of someone doing swipes. And I would just try to try to uh, just try to mock it and like do it in my mom's bed. And then like, there'd be like videos of the moonwalk. And they're like, I'll just try to do it. I'll try to do it on the floor. And then videos of windmills. And I'm like, can I do that? And then videos of handstands. And like, I would try to just like, again, go on my mom's bed and just see if I can balance on my hands. And that's where I learned most of what I can do. All my little fun party tricks now is actually just, discovered when i was a kid and then same with Queer angel he would just be like oh you can you can stand on one can you you can stand on two hands can you stand on one hand and they'd be like i would try it and if i could do it he'd be like okay can you take this hat can you put this hat on while you're on one hand and i'll just try things when i was really young so i feel like like my Queer angel and then my two brothers like rod rodney and rob i guess queer rodney and queer rob i don't really call him queer that often anymore but queer at the time those are the guys who really inspired me and got me off when I was a kid but then fast forward into the years um I felt like when I was at that studio I was learning a lot of like like I was as much as I was learning hip-hop I was learning that there's other places there's like a full-on hip-hop studio in the city called third street beat so I was like I want to I want to be better I want to be like I want to I want to learn more about hip-hop in different ways I think my phone just went off but I'm
1: gonna turn that off oh, it's on
2: good. <laughs> but yeah Um, there was a full-on hip-hop studio and then there was a full-on like breakdancing scene happening and I was like I want to learn more about that but I feel like I was attached to this studio so I had to let myself go from it it wasn't anything personal or anything it was just like I just want to do hip-hop this is really like I'm kind of I'm not done with the Filipino stuff but I don't want to I feel like no longer the need to explore it because it felt repetitive for me at that point. So then I started, I went, so I went to another studio uh, cause hip hop was always evolving and there was always something new. And then once you learned the traditional dances, it was kind of like you, once you knew how to do it, you knew how to do it. And then it was like, we could evolve it. We could try to evolve it, but hip hop was evolving just so much faster. So I was like, that's kind of what piqued my interest more. And a part of me was also like, I want to learn hip hop so I can come back to this studio and teach it, teach all the new things so um but yeah anyways i went to a hip-hop studio i got to learn popping from like a professional teacher not just from the internet anymore I got to learn how to be a <laughs> robot from a professional teacher no. um, <laughs> um but then after that i took a break and then in that break so much happened so like another hip-hop studio opened up like the community started to open they like, started to create this like there's like this weird community i think it was coming from there's a lot of famous dancers coming out on the internet and i knew of them like i used to watch these videos of like kioni madrid and like la vaniga and sean Everisto. but i think ever since like brian Puspos became like internet famous it was just like every kid wanted to dance and everyone that i knew around me like every asian kid i knew started dancing because like, of oh, brian yeah. Puspos and like so real crew and quest crew so there was like this whole new scene of people and it was while i took a break so i was like oh man the dance scene's getting lit again so i gotta come back <laughs> so i came back and then um i found myself at core dance studio it was founded by alexander chung who i met at that other studio we were in a class together and then i was just kind of that studio they had there's a group called nxp company that was also run by alexander chung so alexander chung naturally became like my next mentor because when he was owner of the studio and then eventually when I made it onto his team, NXG company, he naturally became like, he was my leader. He was like my director. And the, the opportunities he was giving us were crazy. Cause at the time I never even thought about like, you know, we, we compete so much in these like local hip hop competitions at home. Like, but there's some in Vancouver, we can do this one. And I would see these competitions in LA called like body rock and vibe. And they'd be like my favorite videos to watch. And he was just like, want to go watch them in person? Like, one day we're going to compete on these stages. We want to see what they're like in person. So wow. he gave us those opportunities. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it was tight. And then it was with that team, NXG, where that was the first time I got to compete at Hip Hop International. So it was my first time competing on an international stage. And I was like, this is dope. This is what it's like to see, like, teams from around the world. This is what it's like to see all these crazy Philippines teams, but, like, in person with all the high-flying tricks and just, like, yeah, so I was really grateful for that. But then university came, and then that's mm-hmm. when I was like, time to it was time to get serious about dance, or sorry, time to get serious about school, because you know that's that's life for us Asian Canadians. It's like you can have, have all the fun while you're young, but once once it's time for university, that's when we buckle down and we pick our careers and we like go to school. So I picked engineering just because I was good at math. And that was basically the only reason why I picked engineering. Cause I was like, I don't know, I'm good at math. What, what do people who are good at math do? Engineering. Great. Let's do that. I grew up, like I gave up dance so I can do this. Like I gave up dance so I can just focus on school. And then there got to, it got to a point where I even gave up working. Like I, I stopped working cause I wanted to like, okay, school has to be the priority. Like I don't want to be distracted by anything. So I wasn't dancing. I wasn't working. I was only in school. And in that semester, I just really found myself in like, you know, it really was just a big slump. Like I just, it didn't even matter if I went to classes, it didn't matter like how I did on tests anymore. It kind of just found like, you know, and I wasn't, I didn't even feel like I was in a rush to do school or anything. I was kind of like, if my GPA is good, sick, if my GPA is bad, whatever, I'll just take again, take this course again the next year. That's how I was thinking. Cause I just like really didn't care at that point. And then it got to a point where I was actually put on probation. They said, you know what, your GPA is not where it should be. So take the semester off. You can come back whenever, you can come back after or in the next semester, whatever the following one was. I think the following one was the next fall. But for this current winter semester, you can, um, you need to, you're put on, you're put on probation.
1: So I was like,
2: oh, yeah, it sucked. I had no school, no work, no dance. So I was like, what am I? (laughs) Uh, I And I was 20 years old. And like, keep in mind, I graduated high school early. So I was grad. So I was about to turn 21, which meant that would have been my fourth year of university. And I was kind of like, you know, some of my friends are going to graduate soon. Some of them are graduating this year. And I feel like. I just felt like an idiot kind of like I know I'm not like looking back I know I'm not it's not that deep like but it really felt like it was like it really felt like the end of the world because I was like wow like I really let my parents down with this like they spent so much money for me to go to school and I was like yeah that sucked but also so basically I got put on probation and then during that time I got put on probation world of dance came to Edmonton like the competition that's now more popularly known as a TV show, they they toured to Edmonton, and I was like, okay, so if I'm not if I'm not in school, I might as well try dance again, because I have nothing to lose. I have nothing better to do with my time now. I can't even school is not even an option right now. So I got a job. Shout out to Archie because he hooked me up with in Maine. Hey, that's the best part time job ever.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then I got a job so. I was like, okay, I, I can pay for studio space now. I just got, I gathered up some friends and just like people I used to dance with from like all some, from all walks of my life. So I was asking like my friends from Barangay, I was asking friends from Third Street Beat, I was asking friends from Core, I was asking friends who I just knew who were like good dancers who like, hey, I haven't really worked with you, but like we know each other. Do you want to be, in, you want to do this project with me? And they all said some of them said yes yeah, some of them couldn't do it because they're already doing other projects but eventually we I had this project i was just it was basically just to put something together for stage just so i had something to do it really was i wasn't trying to win world of dance or like i wasn't trying to win the competition it was genuinely more about like i need something to do with my time because i'm gonna go crazy if i'm doing nothing <laughs> and then that group we we can think of a name, but we're like you know you're one cool giraffe that's been your handle for forever. Let's just make this is called the group cool giraffes. And I was like, tight, easy. So <laughs> it's like it doesn't need it doesn't feel like a serious name, but you know we'll take it because it's a name. And then that was our first performance as cool giraffes at World of Dance. And because of that performance, I saw Alex again, and he was like, do you want to teach at the Core? Like that performance is dope. Do you want to do you want to be a teacher at Core? And I was like sure yeah I'd be down oh (laughs) yeah so from student
0: to like teacher
2: yeah and then I another friend was moving to Vancouver and she was like I teach at this studio in Red Deer would you be willing to drive down to Red Deer like once a week once every two weeks to teach there I was like sure I'm down why not Red Deer is not that far from my house in like it's an hour and a half like it's a different city but I live on the south side so it's like that's actually not that bad of a drive So." those are my first two teaching jobs. And then from there, it kind of just took off. Like I went, took one semester off from school and never went back. (laughs) (laughs) So besides that I was able to cool draft started to blow up a little bit more. Um, I actually started off when I came back to teaching, Alex actually asked me to direct NXG. So not only was I like directing cool drafts, I was also directing NXG. Company at the first for at the same time for a few years. And it it nice. it, it didn't feel it didn't feel stressful because cool giraffes wasn't serious yet. We weren't really like, we were just like, you know, we're doing this for fun. We're just here to have fun on stage. NXG was like the serious team, so it's like, okay, I can really like dive in and put like a lot of my craziest ideas into NXG. While Cold Giraffes were just like, this is like this is like my I can test things here. It's like if things fail here, it's not that it's not that big a deal because the pressure there wasn't as much pressure. But Mm -hmm. it got to a point where Hip Hop International came to Edmonton. They said we're doing a stop here, and we want to see what the talent is in Edmonton. So I was like, okay, NXG should do this. We should totally do this. We're like the main company. We should do Hip Hop International. And then the interest wasn't there, and I was like, oh, I thought that. That's crazy. I thought like, I thought we would be, we would be down because that was one of my favorite competitions growing up, especially having the chance to do it. I was like, I want to do it again. But if, like, NXG wasn't going to do it, we're like, cool drafts. Do you guys want to do it? Like, we can try. We can just see if we get in. And then it, there's other, there's a lot of other reasons. There's a lot of other factors. But to – what am I trying to say? Anyways, basically what ended up happening was uh, cool drafts, we got into hip hop international. And so I think it was like, I think this is time for me to, you know, step down as director from NXG Cause I can't, this team is about to become really serious. And this is, I love NXG. They were, they took me in when I was a kid and I got some great experiences with them and having the chance to lead them was amazing. But I think my baby, like the thing I started just like bloomed into something huge. And I need to give that my full attention. So I stepped down from NXG as a director. It was really hard because at the time that was kind of like at the time I was like being at the top of the mountain and just like staring like looking at all the other smaller mountains and just being like I don't want to be here anymore. Like yes I climbed this mountain but now I want to go over there and climb that mountain. And it's weird because and for some reason it's just like a weird feeling to like you know, it's at once you're at the top. It's like why go down, like why let yourself go down. But at the same time, I feel like if you're at the top, like there's nowhere else to go but down. So it's like,
0: yeah, why not <laughs> challenge yourself, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and it is funny because at the time, like with cool drafts, we felt like, all out. I felt like we were taking like what I say this in quotes, but like intermediate dancers.
0: But yeah, I don't. Time, like, I don't, I never believed that shit. Sorry, let me just let me just cut in here because for those of you that don't know, organization like there's a lot of da- the dance community in Edmonton is pretty huge, right? Like I like you know I I frequently go to like dance shows and stuff like that. The thing about um, these places is that they offer classes and they you know they they they, they give you yeah. rankings, right? There's your your beginner, your inter- intermediate and then like a higher difficulty i've taken some of these classes myself let me tell you intermediate is not fucking intermediate like <laughs> oh
2: no it's honestly it's pretty advanced i'm not gonna lie like core okay i feel bad because like people come to like core and people come to the studio and they take beginner classes and like when you like the beginner drop-ins are different if it's a beginner drop-in it should be a beginner class mm. but we have like full season classes where you go from like September to June and you take the class and the beginner class. Like if you're in that class, like you won't know it, but you'll be doing some like hard choreography for a beginner. Mm. Like you will be doing some like, like it is not like beginner beginner that in that setting, it's like, it becomes immediately as soon as you step in, it's immediately intermediate, but you just don't know it. And we don't really (laughs) tell you because I feel like the standard that we've set at the studio now is like, so Like if we just get if we just give the beginners this they can handle it, so if we give the intermediate kids the advanced choreography in theory they can handle it, but now, but also it also creates like this little ego thing. So I still say like intermediate dancers because like some people will be dancing for like two years and like yeah I'm advanced and it's like okay, I mean <laughs> you're, you're like, good. You can let take me a,
0: let you, me knock down your confidence <laughs> a little bit. And set you back to reality.
2: Yeah, not to like not to like step on people's toes but just to like you know stay humble like you've been dancing for two years there's still like a lot to learn I've been dancing for a lot of years and I still have a lot to learn so Mm. like just you know don't get too crazy but yeah anyways the drafts like yeah so like we were intermediate in quotes but these kids were good like there was like I had this like when we went to HHI I had this 14 year old boy and this kid was like he was discovering how to flip for the first time or not for the first time. Like he knew how to side flip, but because of like, he's like, okay, let's put your side flip in the dance. And he's like, Oh, what if I learn other flips? Then we can, can we put that in the dance? So he was like learning how to backflip, He's learning how to round off back flip He's learning how to front flip. And then him learning how to flip. There's other kids who are just like, that's dope. How are you doing that? So then other kids just started learning how to do flips. And then, so for us, it was me and my friend Trung. And we were like, well, I can't flip, but I can, I can do flares, and they're like sick. Ooh. So like we would take advantage of like okay, so we're break dancers by nature. Like let's let's see what we can do. Like what can we both do so we can look clean together. And then other people took and then other people took notice of it. So um, there's a in Vogue culture or in Vogue da- in Vogue dancing. There's a move called the dip. It's popularly known as a shablam, but it's proper but actually known as a dip. And then a lot of the girls they're just like sweet. I want to learn how to do that because that's like a hype. That's a super hype move that we can figure out how to do and teach ourselves and train ourselves to do. And then we also had this one girl who could do aerials, and like it was just crazy because we we're real. we were learning about each other and just like learning. Like wow, we can actually like some of us can do some really cool shit. <laughs> so let's just put all of this in one dance and see how it does on the on the international stage to see if people like it. As long as we're Staying true to ourselves a bit and like at the same time incorporating what hip hop actually is within the dance styles, you know, like this could be a good move. And it never and then it just really felt like this team was becoming something a lot crazier than what it started out to be. It just became like in that in within that one season, it became like a professional. Like we became like we never really, we never still didn't really see ourselves as professional, but to the eyes of like if we're competing at hip-hop international then we're a professional dance company because usually only the professionals make it out this far so that's kind of what took off in regards to cool drafts and then in regards to myself i kind of just like found myself doing i think going to la really helped like i because i this is actually from nxg but because of alex alex moved to la so we would always go to visit him be like oh if we go to LA there's a place for us to hang out there's a place for us to stay uh we'll bring we can bring the whole team and we can all train at these famous studios where you see all this footage of people going viral inside a studio which was like crazy because it's like usually like the viral performances were competitions but now it's as simple as just like you know if you do if you can dance really really well from just class and someone films it and posts it online that gives you virality or i don't know if that's a real word but it makes you go viral and like yeah, it, yeah. it's not like the it's not like the goal was to be viral but it was also because it went viral we were like damn look how good these dancers actually are like we can actually just like like it doesn't and, and it never really mattered that they went viral it was more of like there's a video of this kid being super good and all these or all these kids being super good and they're all dancing at this studio so in theory this studio has to be like it has to be crazy so when you go to LA we check it out what do you know these kids are really good I don't think I personally don't think it has anything to do with the studio this just happens to be the studio where they're seen but it was crazy because we're dancing with like a mix of like professional like of yeah professional dancers in LA working and training just taking classes in LA and the upcoming kids who are about to become the next professionals and just like even day-to-day people taking dance classes there were already at like a higher tier than what we knew back in Edmonton so I was like for sure I want to be in LA all the time because this is where all like the crazy dancers are this is where like the strongest like these are some of the strongest dancers I've ever seen in my life so (laughs) I like every like so I just kept going back like it's like if I have money to go to LA for even two weeks I'm gonna go so I would just like go I'll either like if Alex couldn't host me cause he was hosting other people, then I would just find a place to stay, like get like an Airbnb or, you know, I was just like, I got to meet people. So I have places to stay when I go to LA, like, that's what I got to do. Like, I'm going to make sure I'm making friends so that if I have, if i ever find myself in an emergency, I at least have someone to talk to here. And then what ended up happening was I have a lot of, like, I saved up a lot of money and I'm like, I'm just going to go to LA for two months for two months straight
1: yeah, I and just that.
2: train. Yeah. Just train my absolute hardest for two months. And then because of that, I thought, I don't know if it's because of that, but after that, I made a lot of good connections there. And, you know, that was just training. But I think from that training, I just felt more confident than ever in my ability to actually dance. Like I always felt confident growing up and my ability to dance. There's things that have shaken my confidence. Throughout the times, but at that moment, like after that trip, I really felt like I can keep up with people in LA. Like, I it wasn't it wasn't like I'm dancing with people who are out of my league. It felt like, I think when I'm there, I still do dance with people who are out of my league. But at the same time, I feel like I'm not. I didn't feel like a beginner dancer into that scene anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really felt like I can. I'm on par with people. So that's like that Dragon
0: Ball Z mentality where you're like, (laughs) I need to find all the best people to see how i like how i rank and compare actually
2: though lot. like yeah it was <laughs> i feel like that's that's how you know too like i feel like there's a there's a saying where it's like if you don't surround yourself like like look at your circle if you don't surround yourself with people who are better than you then that's the best you'll ever be or so i don't know i don't know how the saying is yeah, it, find like, people it's like who are better than you
0: yourself and,
2: yeah yeah like find people who are better than you go go hang with them <laughs> Yeah, that's just, that, that's what it was. It's like LA was like, this is literally where the best of the best go. And it's not even just of like in LA. It's like, there's people from Japan who are here that are crazy, but they come to LA because they know that too. There's, this is where the some of the best of the best go. And it's the, some of the best, like I met more dancers in Canada, like or from Canada in LA than in Canada, I think. Because a lot of the crazy Canadian dancers would do, they, would, they had the same logic. They're like, well I mean let's like we can't deny that LA is like at least North America's hub of dance cuz that's where the entertainment industry is so naturally that's where the best dancers are going to be.
0: Yeah. So talk, talk to me a little bit more about that because I remember you were telling me I think last year how like Calgary had like one of the craziest like breakdancing communities so like what what would you say it's like across the nation? I mean
2: I think I, still, I think Calgary has one of the yeah, Calgary has one of the best breakdancing communities. As far as I know, I, I, it's been a minute since I've been in the breakdancing community, but as far as I remember, like, I remember Calgary just being, like, top tier. Like, they were just, for some reason, always on another level. Not to, like, like talk ill of Edmonton breakers, but I just, like, I just every time I looked at Calgary, I was just like, man, I don't know what they're doing over there, but it's crazy. And it's weird, because I never, I like, I still stay true to that, because I don't know Toronto that well. But when I go to Vancouver, I don't really notice the breakdancers as much. Or the breakers, I guess. I'm gonna say breakers, because break dancing is breakdancing is the wrong word, I guess. But
1: oh, sorry. Learning.
2: No, that's okay. It's not that. I don't think it, Like, I mean, it's not that deep. But I guess if we're unlearning and learning these things. Breaking. Tight. <laughs> Anyways. Um. Yeah. When I looked at Vancouver, I I just felt like the Cal- no, the Calgary breaking scene is still stronger. However, Vancouver is just strong, and I think Vancouver is like Vancouver and Toronto are definitely the main hubs of dance and within Canada. I think. Uh, from what I know the music industry like if you want to be a dancer for the music industry you should probably go to Toronto because that's where most of the artists are coming out from especially like for example like even like Drake and Party Next Door they're all from Toronto so like you know the odds of them like OVO Sound is in Toronto so if you want to dance for music artists there's plenty of them in Toronto however uh, Vancouver has a huge film industry because of their weather. So. It's, ba- it's basically mm-hmm. the Canadian Hollywood there. So,
0: I also know um, Winnipeg has been coming up in, in the dance community as well. Like,
2: Yeah, Winnipeg is crazy. Winnipeg is like, I don't know, I think they're just really hungry. And I think it's because they're in the center. Like they have the option. Like if we, if we want to go to Toronto, we can go to Toronto. If we want to go to LA, we, go to, or, so not, if we go to Vancouver. We go to Vancouver. Because I think for us, it's like I just go to Vancouver because it's an hour away. It's more expensive for me to like, I want to train in Toronto. Hour away through flying. Through flying. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to train in Toronto. I really do. But it's more expensive for me to fly to Toronto than it is to fly to LA. So I'm always like, if I'm going to fly to Toronto, why don't I just fly to LA? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But Winnipeg is on a huge come up. Those there's people, people there, they work so hard. They're grinding so hard. I think it's just weird. Cause I like me personally, I just think Winnipeg is so cold. It is just like another cold, a colder version of Edmonton. Ice cold. (laughs) So and I don't naturally find myself there often. (laughs) I've been there before for a competition, and it was awesome, and I love it because I have friends in Winnipeg, and it's great. But it's so cold. (laughs) And Vancouver is just so warm, and it's closer. So I find myself in Vancouver a lot more. That's actually kind of like my next big move. I really don't want to... I thought that it's weird. I want to move to Vancouver, but not because I want to like live in Vancouver for forever. I just think it's like my bet. I think I just think it's my next move.
1: Nice.
2: But yeah, um, Montreal is also a super slept on community. I think it's just cause I don't know. I think mean, there's, there's a language barrier. So I don't really know how to talk to people in Montreal. We know that there's tons
0: of fun stuff to do in Montreal, don't we?
2: Oh, yeah. Montreal is a great time. (laughs) I love Montreal. Uh,
0: For context, um, I went to Randall's, well, my cousin, obviously, Rob's um, bachelor party in Montreal. And it was great, great times, great times.
1: Oh, yeah. Great
0: (laughs) (laughs) times.
2: But yeah, Montreal is awesome. Man, there's so so many things I want to do with dance. Like, I really want to training in toronto i really want to teach in toronto i want to train in montreal and teach in montreal but i'm just learning there's all these things that i want to do and i only have so much time to do so much so sorry i'm totally going on a tangent i was totally talking about canadian dance communities but
0: that's all right uh let's bring it back um yeah what uh let's bring it back to the culture (laughs) yeah (laughs) what can you tell me about the fascination that filipinos have in dance like in general
2: i don't know what it is i think it's just i think it's just the media industry in the philippines it's like it's kind of like growing up i don't i didn't i didn't watch a lot of those shows but i know Wow, wow we was huge and i don't know what came after that was it showtime like show, I think Showtime, and there's just there's always been this weird fascination with singing and dance. And like growing up in our Filipi- at, at Filipino household parties, we would do a lot of karaoke. And oh yeah, so singing was always a huge thing. Dancing, I don't know what it was. I don't. I think we just liked dancing. I think, like, I don't remember doing anything specific other than just like being in a Filipino dance community, like in a, in a Filipino dance studio, where like if everyone around me or at least like 99% of the people around me are Filipino and we're all dancing I guess just Filipinos just love dance because I like what are the odds like that would happen like a a scenario I would find myself in a scenario like that if we didn't love dance I don't know I I never really found I never really understood the fascination of it I never questioned I think I just never questioned it other than the idea that just like yeah like if you ask a Filipino that they like they're like If you see a Filipino, you can can almost ask them, like, do you sing? Do you dance? And the odds of them saying one or the other is kind of (laughs) high.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I, I listened to this other podcast called the Asian Not Asian podcast. And one of the guys talked about – and feel free to fact check this. Anybody that's Mm -hmm. listening, please feel free to fact check this. But the the host told this story about, like, how – early Filipinos immigrating to the United States. um, Mm. Apparently like there was this big um, message um, of of like, kind of like hate towards like Filipino Americans, because there's like propaganda that like the Filipinos that came to the States, they danced so well that they would take all the white women. (laughs) i i like I, I didn't take the time to research this myself but like when i heard that i was like what the fuck <laughs> like that's crazy i don't know if that's true <laughs> yeah i mean, don't know like I like there like I there wasn't hip-hop it? back then so <laughs> what we impressed the white women with our like dancing between the sticks like what's Maybe. that what's that called i don't know, you know what it's called, it's when you called like,
2: yeah, tindicling.
0: Tindicling? yeah. The sticks?
1: yeah yeah <laughs> Ooh, that check was my favorite when
2: i wasn't when i wasn't drunk that was my favorite dance there's something about like i remember there was a pride that came with doing that dance you had to be an older i remember you had to be an older kid they didn't trust the younger kids to nickling they're like y'all are gonna hurt yourselves yeah so it was like it also was a coming of age thing to like oh and once you got to learn to nickling it was like sweet we're we're the older generation now <laughs> we're cool oh, yeah. we're the cool kids in the
0: studio <laughs> remind me again did you have to wear like what did you wear it, it was like um like we you just had didn't...
2: like we had like i don't we had like white shirts and bandanas like really nice like i don't want to say tie-dye but like these nice like filipino patterns i don't even know how to describe them they're like flowers and like just colored pants
0: because for some reason i thought like you wore like kilts or something like that
2: oh for some dances for tinikling, that's what we wore but um, there's another dance with bamboos with, called Sinkil. And it was just, like, I think it was to represent the Muslim community in in the Philippines. Okay. So, I think um, so our outfits were different for that. I don't know if we... I don't know exactly what we wore. I don't know if we wore, like, the satin pants. And, like, we had, like, a vest. We looked like Aladdin. We straight up looked like Aladdin characters. <laughs> like, all of us looked like Aladdin. And then i'll wear that i think for other dances we also had like basically they're called the but they're basically just g-strings but longer
0: okay that's what i was thinking man because i was like <laughs> yeah. i felt like I, I swear i've watched like filipino dances in the past and either like the dancers have told me or have interacted but it, it seemed like they were like so afraid of like dancing and their balls like just like like <laughs> coming out yeah
2: because like it, it's because that's all because it, it's literally all we wore like it's like we we were shirtless we were pantsless I I'll never forget this one moment where the first time we ever wore that costume. Like so it's basically like I don't know how to describe it. It's it's literally a G-string. It just it's there to cover your I, I think in theory I think we'd suppose, we're supposed to be dancing naked. Like if this is super traditional, I think we would be naked as fuck. But like I oh, think wow. it was literally there because like, you know, obviously inappropriate for kids too. So like it was just there to cover us. But I I'll never forget the first time we ever wore that costume on stage we also had like also we had feathers in our head and stuff too but like the first time we wore that costume like dancing together me and my friends I were like we're doing like some bird dance so we're just like flapping our arms and just like running around the stage and I'll never forget we were laughing so hard we we're all because we we're all just naked together on stage <laughs> just like pissing ourselves laughing we we're like nine or ten years old eight or nine years old maybe and we're all just laughing and I remember like whoever the teacher was at the time was just fucking yelling at us just yelling at us so hard for not taking it seriously just like like i don't know if it was like for just disrespecting the culture or for just like laughing or just like having too much fun but it was so funny because it's just like it was the first time we were like just like
1: costume and just
2: the idea of all of us just like flapping our arms it's like we were oh, like when you're a kid we couldn't even hold it in because it was just like we were, and we were all in it together it was just so funny oh yeah Yeah, that costume. Like growing up, I was scared. I I was always scared that I was gonna fall. I remember some people wouldn't. Like we would. Some people like if you were bold enough, you wouldn't wear anything underneath. And to put it on is literally a knot. Like it's not. It's just a special kind of knot. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even like it's not even like a pair of pants that like you know it's got a drawstring or something. No, it's just like, it's like imagine. it's actually this is what it is. It's a scarf. Imagine a really long scarf and you're just tying it around your waist and balls and ass so that you can't so that it's covered but you're just like praying to god it stays on <laughs> while you dance
0: so you you didn't wear underwear like during this time
2: I mean I, it, as a kid I did cuz I was scared and then as I got older I was like no nah, I can I'm going to tie this knot now so just
0: have a ball I'm cuz I'm just imagining like 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 telling all the younger kids like look like you don't wear underwear but like it's an inside joke and everybody does like (laughs) I think well I
2: don't don't even know I think one person didn't and then it just became like a game of like you know what I'm not going to either like like, (laughs) if you're not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it and it's just like oh and it's just almost like it's not like we, we didn't talk about it that much but I can I can honestly be like it's just like hilarious it's like man I didn't wear underwear on stage it's funny so man that's slid I feel like (laughs) I'm just thinking about like we're in 2020 like the world is so different now I'm just thinking about like as a kid I danced naked on stage (laughs) Uh, I'm so grateful for Baronga though because I think because we danced shirtless so much in that studio because it it was all super traditional like I said like like even the costume were like we're dressed up like Aladdin like it's just a vest like we're basically naked we're not basically naked we're like we had no shirt but because of that, I think because like we were dancing shirtless so much, we worked out a ton. Like, and everyone was working out in that studio. Like we would like, though in the up at the start of that, at the start of our day would be like a good 45 minute, like 45 minute workout of just like doing a bunch of pushups, a bunch of crunches, a bunch of squats, just so our bodies looked good. So even as like an eight year old, like I had abs. And it was sick. And I, never, I, never, <laughs> I didn't even know that, I didn't even know how sick it was until I was in high school to like have abs. Like I never, it never hit me that like, cause I just thought everyone had abs. I thought it was normal because everyone I knew was in Brunga. So it was like, I just thought like, everyone just has abs. And like, if you didn't have abs, it was like, how do you not have abs? Like, what do you, like, yeah, isn't it just like a part of your, isn't just a part of the human body? <laughs> and that's what oh I genuinely thought. Gosh. Like I remember in high school, I went to like, we went to a party at the water park and then people were noticing. They're like, you, Wow, you're, your body looks good. Like you have abs. And I was like, It is literally abs. It was literally, that's it. I didn't have anything else actually. But I, had, I definitely had like a bitch in six pack. And, then I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, Is this not normal? Like, is this not things that people just have? I was like, yeah, because cool. you're working your
0: core all the time, right? Yeah. You know, when I was, um, when I was in junior high, um, one of the things like my, like phys ed instructor told like the whole class was, um, he was like, fellas, if you want to get girls, but you're ugly, you should learn how to dance. (laughs) And like, I, I was like, Hmm, this guy's spitting. Like (laughs) he's got a point. Uh, so like, I think like, like, for me, like, as a casual dance fan, like, I'm not, I don't go to all the classes, like, but, like, for me, like, watching, like, America's Best Dance Crew, like, on TV, mm-hmm. like, that was huge. You you know, you, you turn it on, you see all these other Asian people, like, just, like, killing it. Um, I feel like that was, like, like bringing back to what you said earlier, but, like, that was, like, such such a huge turning point, you know, like, to mm-hmm. see the representation out there, and it was really cool.
2: I think it was huge for, like, even, like, the Asian community, too. It gave us, like, a sense of, like, there was like there was so much weird asian pride when america's best dance crew came out especially with like jabberwockies and quest crew and even kabba yeah. modern from the first season like there's always something even like when super crew won i think there was one filipino on the team but then like if you look at the youtube comments it's just like yeah Pinoy,
1: Prime, yeah, Pinoy we, pride. Yeah. we all win because he won everybody
2: <laughs> wins <laughs> And I think like and before then there wasn't really anything like even in the media industry it's like if you're if you're Asian in the media it's like some racist Asian shit like you're playing some sort of racist Asian character oh like my gosh. so I think I don't I, I can't even in like so you think you can dance I don't think the first I don't think an Asian person won until Lex Ishimoto which is like season seventeen eighteen I have no idea but like it wasn't about winning it was also just about like seeing them on tv and seeing them like strive and seeing them like like do crazy things and make us and make us look good instead of just make us look like you know fobs (laughs) in the media
0: so i know um one of the things we talked about before and i don't know if you want to share this on this podcast maybe we can cut it Mm -hmm. out but uh, you had some tea to spill About how like reality dance TV shows actually are and like what they like film, like what do you see on TV. I've,
2: I mean, I've only heard like I've never actually been on set for one, but I think I just I think it's interesting actually because so I haven't been on set for reality TV, but I from what I do know is I don't know if I'm allowed to share this. I'm but I'm gonna say it anyways. But yeah, fuck it. Maybe, maybe I'm not allowed to share it, but I'll say it like it's basically like we know they know who wins like as soon as they cast all the dancers and crews right away before they see the dancing they're like okay we, we already know who we're gonna pick to win this show mm. it's super interesting yeah but anyways i don't know if i can say that because i've never been on world of dance <laughs> well i mean i mean i mean I, let, let
0: me let me try one more question here and then uh sure. you can decide whether to answer or not but yeah. um i think you told me one time um on how like the backstory with like these dancers like sometimes mm-hmm. they like make it up for the sake of the episode
2: yeah i think for sure like that happens i think that like, i think some of it is like i think there's some real stories but like i i don't want to say names but there's once there's one group of people who went on the nbc world of dance and they're like oh like we're underprivileged kids and they're like they we're, like, we're kind of poor and there's like we don't have all the opportunities that like other kids have I was like, that's such a lie. You know how you know how much that that studio's tuition is to like being that's like you're paying for so many big choreographers to dance mm-hmm. under you. There's no way, like like maybe like I don't know, maybe it's not that I don't know what I don't know. They, I don't know them personally, but there's no way like I don't I don't know if underprivileged is the word to describe it, to describe you guys, but
0: we, we have such a hard time <laughs> yeah, like, uh we like only take the second time. tier private jets uh, across the country <laughs> i was like, <laughs> like
2: you hey, know like they're not like i don't think they're poor is just basically what i'm gonna say the way they made they, i think the way the tv got them to talk was to make them sound like they were really poor kids but they're not poor i think they're, they're i don't think they're rich maybe they are i actually like Okay, a part of me is hinting, like, I think they're rich. But, like, because dance is expensive. And, like, especially being at a studio, I know how much dance costs now. Like, and, like well, as a kid, I had no idea what my parents were paying for. But as an adult, I know what they're paying for. So, if that's how much it costs in Edmonton, there's no way it's cheaper over there. Especially for the, the top-tier level dancing that they're doing. So, I was, like, but also, I think it's also just, like, you know, like, how can we make this? It's television. Like, how can we make this show interesting? I like from what I know, the only legitimate TV show for reality TV is Chopped. Chopped is like the most legitimate, like from Food Network. We all know. Chopped. I feel like anyone listening is like, oh yeah, I know Chopped. <laughs> but like, like that's the only legitimate TV show. Other than they know what's in the basket before it, before they cook. But like, who whoever wins is definitely just based off of like who has the best food. But everybody, I know, like, other dance TV show or other reality shows, like, I think it's premeditated. Like, the, even, like, some of my friends who did World of Dance, they're saying, like, you know, they don't only dance once. They dance, like, three or four times. Even Poriotics actually came out of a, a statement. They made a statement about how in their season, in their run of World of Dance, they filmed they filmed their last number four times. But in the last number, the cameraman was closer than before. And that's when he screwed up. And that's when someone screwed up a flip. And then that's the cut they decided to use for TV. So there's three other cuts of him landing the flip. But for television's purpose, they they used the cut of him failing. So now there's a reason to eliminate Poriotics from the show. So I think that's super sketchy.
1: Ooh. (laughs) Okay, okay. I think
2: I'll say this. I think I'll say, I don't know. I just think television is not it's television you know at the end of the day it's it's about it's about ratings and it's about viewers so what goes on television may not all be true like it may not all be like the most real but I think there's a lot more aspects that are real like I think at the end of the day like what you see in the dance abilities are real and when, again when, what when people are able to put on stage is real I think stories you can kind of we can fabricate or we can make more interesting we can like you know like i know when and so you think he can dance auditions when they show they, there's like a shot of like how many people are auditioning and everyone's cheering they film that at least like two or three times to make sure that everyone's cheering and everyone's looking at the camera because that's the shot that you want that's yeah. the shot you really want to see yeah for
0: yeah that so. that reminds me like our cousin Mitchell he was on yeah. uh what was the show
2: was it show i think it was on showtime showtime
0: right and you were telling yeah. me that like like, even then, like, they, like, they need, they, they tell the, what was it, they tell the people on the show, like, you have to be, like, excited and jumping, like, at all times.
2: Yeah, well, like, if you look at even, like, um, sitcoms and stuff, it tells you when to laugh, like, it, like, if you sit in sitcoms, it literally, there's a big, giant sign that says applause, or a big, giant sign that says aww, or a big, giant sign that says laugh, and it'll, it'll light up and tell you when, so, I think that's just like how television is. I'm not questioning it. I feel like I'm actually more, if anything, I'm more excited to see it for myself. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I actually did a Netflix show. And what I thought was super yeah, cool about, about that. that. What I thought was super cool about that was everything that we did in that show was actually like, was like real. Like I don't, that's why I, I haven't seen the show yet, but from what I know, we didn't need like a, a lot of what we were doing, didn't need any like special effects. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I was expecting like a lot of green screens and a lot of like, you know, like, like camera tricks and stuff. But um, the setting of it was like, so basically the scene I'm in is, it looks like High School Musical. It really feels like High School Musical. The director is the same director as High School Musical. So it really feels like High School Musical. And we they found this abandoned school. I don't know how they found it or, or like. I don't even know how you I don't know that's someone's job I guess but there's a school that we were shooting in that's no longer in use and it was just like we're basically just filming this huge dance number it's been I think the equivalent is of like what time is it from uh High School Musical 2 just like all the, the entire school just dancing in every hallway and like that's kind of the equivalent of what we shot so to me that was really interesting because i was expecting like some green screens i was expecting like some all this fake stuff but no it was just us dancing and i was like there's confetti in the air and it just really felt like i feel like this scene is going to be so magical on television but it was crazy because the the magic was happening right in front of us like we're watching it be produced and i was like so this is how it's done this is kind of dope i could get used to this
0: (laughs) we talked a little bit about this like before like uh shooting the episode like recording yeah like how does one get onto like a netflix show
2: um you can either get an agency so you can either submit for a, a talent agency like a dance agency and they can find these jobs for you but for that job at the time i wasn't signed with an agency so uh there was an open call i literally found it on instagram and it was just like just open call audition you know, if you're, this is the cat, there's a category for kids. There's a category for females. There's a category for male dancers. And obviously like when the category for male dancers and I went there, there was like 400 other men in the room.
0: Wait, was this in Edmonton or LA?
2: This is in Vancouver actually.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Continue.
2: So I, so me and my friend, we drove out to Vancouver. We're like, let's do this audition. And then we drove out to Vancouver and there's all these other dancers in the room not really knowing what we're competing for a spot. All we knew was that Kenny Ortega, director of High School Musical and Descendants was the, the, going to be the director of this show. So we're like, this show is going to be good. This show, like, because High School Musical is awesome. And Descendants, I, I've never seen Descendants, but if you ask any kid nowadays, if they like Descendants, they love it. So it's like, this show is going to be awesome too. So it's basically just one big audition. You learn a dance and you do it in front of like, I was going to say the judges, but it's basically like the producer, the choreographers and the casting department. And I think there's a lot of other things that go into getting the role, but it's essentially just that, just a straight up, like, can you dance? And if you can dance, can you dance better than the other people in the room? I think for, I think even in some specific scenarios, it's like, we can only hire so many Asian dancers so are you one of the, so not only not only are you one of the best dancers, but are you one of the best Asian dancers in the room? Because now I'm competing against people in my race. Because I think they they want to diversify the cast, so like they can't have like if all the Asians are really good, for example, like I don't know if that will ever like if all the Asians were like really good for some reason, you can't just take all of them. Like you have to diversify your cast, so you would so you are essentially competing against your own race, which is kind of hilarious, but also like I guess that's just how that industry works. But anyways, yeah, it was an open audition. Um, I made the first cut. And then in the second round of auditions, they're like, okay, hey, we'll just call you whenever uh, we need you. If we don't call you, I'm sorry. This is what it is. And then I waited a whole month, like I waited the entire month of September. Like, so I auditioned in August. And then September came and we're like, I haven't heard anything. So maybe we didn't get it. And then the very end of September, they were like, can you be in Vancouver? for the first week of October. And I was like, hell yeah. Like as soon as I heard that immediately just bought a flight and I'm like, yep, I'm going to, and then uh, they sent us our dates and the the schedule is like, the schedule is subject to change. So I was like, I'm just going to stay in Vancouver for a month and just anytime they change rehearsals, I'll always be ready because I have nothing else going on here. And yeah, that's kind of how all went down.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. I've been, uh, I have this question. I've been kind of wondering when I should throw it out there, but um, Mm -hmm. I just feel like, um, like, so there's so many uh, inspirations from dance. Um, Do you feel like dancers owe it to the black community to credit their dance style or, um, and what, what kind of uh, things have you done or like kind of credits have you given?
2: I think for sure for hip hop, because hip hop was made in the Bronx and like, and it was made like hip hop came from, black and latino youth communities coming together to create like just throwing parties like there's three like there's a lot of history behind hip-hop i feel like as a as an asian dancer profiting off of like what of profiting off of black culture it's just like in my job to understand and know the history and still preach the history and know the not and like and take care of it and preserve it correctly there's a lot of history that came with hip-hop there's like I can I can share all of it on this podcast but I feel like that would go on forever but like I think what's most important for us right now is just to respect it. And like if there's a there's a huge thing about um urban dance there's a urban like hip hop slowly starts to become urban dance. Like there's a there's hip hop hip hop and then there there's hip hop dance and then there's urban dance and urban dance what it was was actually just hip-hop but watered down like hip-hop but taken away from the like there's like ele- like elements of hip-hop and then elements of just whatever you wanted and like not even elements of whatever you wanted it was just elements of hip-hop and whatever you wanted like just so it was really weird because one I didn't even really know what the word hip urban meant I just I always thought the word urban was just really really cool And I thought it was just like a cool word because everything I knew about the word urban was cool. Like urban outfitters was cool. Urban (laughs) dance was cool. So I just like, I thought, you know, I it got to a point where like, I don't even consider myself a hip hop dancer. I consider myself like an urban dancer, but I didn't know what I was saying. And then it wasn't until like this year where um, a bunch of black dance leaders and Asian dance leaders got together in a room and they talked about like, why are we letting urban dance slide? Urban is not, like, people are just using the word urban out of context. Urban dance isn't even a style. It's basically just like a mockery of what hip hop created in theory. So they actually, um, they, all those leaders came together and we we're like, you know what, as leaders of like all of the dance community that is the urban, in quotes, urban dance community, I think it's our job to abolish the name and remove it and stop using it. So, I think that was like actually a really good step uh, a step forwards step forward taken. that was a step, yeah,
1: actually. yeah it sounds
0: right. yeah,
2: it works. i'm I'm keeping that. you don't have to cut that <laughs> 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 but like it was a step forward it was a step forward in the right direction, I guess. like i just like, you know, this is like because urban dance was kind of created off of um the idea of jabwoiess and kaba, or more specifically what Kaaba modern, like what collegiate teams were doing in it's like we're inspired by hip-hop we all have our foundations of hip-hop but as like like the at least the older members had like foundation in like popping or they had foundations in locking or foundations in waving animation um whacking vogue um hip-hop breaking but also just even having those foundations is like is one thing and even knowing that like not all of those foundations are really hip-hop like technically popping and like popping waving and locking that's all from like funk style of dance the only real hip-hop dance is breaking and i guess party groups and i guess now light feet light feet's like the new thing if you don't know how to if you want light feet's like the new thing i'm just saying i'm just throwing it out here if like if you're like a kid or a teenager or whatever and you want to learn how to dance but you're too lazy to learn how to break dance learn how to do light feet because light feet is dope but anyways yeah i think it's just like there's a lot of like miscommunication between teachers. Just not like. Properly teaching what hip hop was and where it came from, so over time it basically just became this watered down thing. Like, just like I'm, just, what I'm trying to say is, if you look up a hip hop dance class on YouTube now, the odds of you actually watching real hip hop dance is very low, because it got watered down so hard. So I think, but because of quarantine and we've all been given a lot of time to think about it, I think now that we can, it's a chance for us to step back and like just reevaluate like what we've been doing as hip hip-hop teachers and like have we actually been teaching hip-hop or have we just been teaching our own style of dance which was you know once inspired by hip-hop but it isn't actually hip-hop
0: but pure hip-hop
2: yeah like pure hip-hop okay. and like and because like what because at the end of the day hip-hop dance doesn't even really exist hip-hop is a culture so if we're gonna teach mm. hip hop, like we we shouldn't be teaching, you know, just dance. You should be teaching a whole culture. It's not just about like being able to go on stage and do the cool new trendy movements. It's also about like understanding that this culture came from like like the oppression of black. It literally came from the oppression of black people. It started in like these black and Latino communities because that's where they were all forced to go. It was like they were like really like the Bronx was being neglected. I think like even just like profiting off of it it feels guilty if you can't even like, if you don't even know where it comes from if you don't even know what you're doing especially and I feel like that's the reason why there's a huge debate on like it within the dance community itself of just like it's hard to be a hip-hop dancer and not support Black Lives Matter because how can you support how can you not support the community that's giving you your paycheck essentially Like if it wasn't for oh, like yeah. what they start, like if it wasn't for what they started, how can you, like you wouldn't you, would, you wouldn't be doing your job. Like if it were, like and I'm grateful for it. Like if it wasn't for, I think it's just weird because like me growing up, I, I was I'm in a younger generation where hip hop was already has already been around to the point where I wasn't inspired. I wasn't really inspired by a lot of um, black dancers because I was really inspired by the Jabbawockees. That's who I was seeing. I think as I got older, I saw a lot of like black dancers who are like damn i want to dance like this guy specifically i want to dance like this guy specifically i want to dance like you know but growing up i learned hip-hop from filipinos so i didn't know Mm. that i didn't know that it was like where like how deeply rooted it was but now i know and i think it's one of those things where like as a dancer or as a teacher if i go into a room full of kids i don't i don't I I only have like an hour with them. I'm not going to be like, you have to know all this. You need to know the history. You need to know about graffiti as well. You need to know about (laughs) DJing. You need to know about MCing. You need to know the address that hip hop was started on. You need to know the birthday. You need to know the godfathers. I can't do that in an hour and teach them a dance, especially if that's what they signed up for. So like with younger dancers and kids, I feel like there's less responsibility to know. But I think as you get older, like your mind can handle more knowledge. And I feel like you, you're, like, especially me as a teacher, I'm responsible to pass that stuff down. So if I want to be a teacher one day or for people who want to be teachers one day, you should know this stuff. You should, like, I, think it's, I think it's good to know. And it also makes you respected more and it makes you really, really appreciate what you're doing a lot more. Because like, the biggest mantra from hip hop really is just peace, love, unity, and having fun. Like People say that at raves. <laughs> and let's just yeah. like, and that came from hip-hop i came from africa bombada that came from like one of the godfathers of hip-hop so that's really what it was all about and i feel like that's like the bare minimum that you should be sharing because like with hip-hop dance now it can be so competitive it can be so like you know it can be as simple as i want to be better than the person in the room i want to be the best person in the room i'm like oh no no like that's not what this is about <laughs> just like that's not why we do. That's not why we do this. Just you know, play respects. <laughs> just be, just be mindful that like as a like if you want to be a dance teacher, you should know the knowledge. You should know the history. Um, you should be able to pass it on because I feel like being able to pass that on makes you a good teacher. And I think even like in piano, you don't you learn how to play piano before you learn all the music theory because there's a certain it takes a certain mm-hmm like amount of brain capacity or like a certain age or amount of wisdom to just be able to handle that knowledge. And like, and then there, and then from then on you true, you're like, you're, you're really true to it and you truly appreciate it a lot more. I feel like that's just kind of the same. I wouldn't pressure kids to really know all the history, but I do pressure kids to know the names of the moves. Cause I feel like if you know the names of the moves and where they come from, then that's cool. You're just already cooler to me than a lot of other kids. (laughs) <laughs> like kids see whoa, well, like we're like when like steps. kids, yeah. When they like name, because like Fortnite does a horrible job of paying respect to hip hop. That's like my another example. Mm. Of like, like Fortnite literally stole so many dances from the dance com- from like the hip hop community and gave it new names so that they can so that they wouldn't get copyrighted on them.
0: okay uh hey randall um would you say like in general like the dance community like i guess in edmonton would you say it's pretty inclusive or do you think it's more like elitist
2: definitely inclusive for some reason it gets it gets looked like like it's elitist like but it's it's definitely inclusive like i think there's a lot i think right now especially in the dance community within Edmonton there's a lot more opportunities to start up like universities have their own dance teams I don't know how they're gonna I don't know how they're doing through COVID but before COVID the universities had dance teams for people to start off and they had a lot and every university had beginner classes um there's big, there's there's a drop-in scene in downtown and at our studio at the core, there's also drop-ins. I'm pretty sure Third Street Beat has drop-ins. And that's just hip hop from what I know. But for the most part, it's inclusive. It It is inclusive. I think it just gets viewed as elitist because of what, at least at, at the core dance studio, from what it's become. Because there's like people who have gone viral from this dance studio. So I think there's, and even at competitions, when we would go to competitions in the hip-hop category, we would, like, not to be cocky, but we would kind of dominate. Like, we would do really well. They would, like, it would, if you, like, we wouldn't always win. We wouldn't win 100% of the time, but, like, 80% of the time, we kind of would. Like, there's always one number, like, taught by Carlo Atienza, where it's, like, that group was kind of the elite group in within the studio. So within the studio, there was kind of like an elite group, but that's just because like, if you're on that team, you needed to be one of the best advancer- advanced dancers to be on that team. And you knew that team was going to do well, no matter what, because Carlo, as a choreographer, was amazing, and he was a genius. And he just, he get, he can get, he just took the best. He, he was always able to work with the best. So there was some sort of, there is kind of elite, it, elitism, but to actually join the dance community, no it's we're pretty open we're pretty I, I, honestly we're friendly we're friendly people. we're not scary.
0: <laughs> One of the things that I actually really like about it is like, and I mean maybe some people don't, but after every like when you go to a class, you do your dances it's like in about an hour, right? Yeah, and um what they'll do is like they, they want to showcase like how good you are, so like they'll at the very end they'll make you. Whether you're in groups or whatever, but you you mm-hmm. showcase like your entire set at the end of the class, and then they record it. Sometimes,
2: yeah, yeah. sometimes.
0: And uh, and then you can you can see what you look like from there. Mm-hmm. Like they're very they're very they want to show like the work that you've done. They're very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got the text. Um, <laughs> and like not only that, like they do a lot of work for the community. I've I've gone to several dance events where like they raise funds like. For special initiatives i know um they like i think around the time that michael jackson died there was like this like uh, you know you, there was a lot of tributes it was like a mm. lot of fun like these things are a lot of fun to go to and for the most part they're not that expensive um no sometimes they're free yes yeah, think you so gotta find them. Yeah, <laughs> whether like like the, the dance classes you take, like, and I'm yeah. I'm saying the dance classes you take and like the dancing events that you go to. Obviously, like they're separate, but like it's a yeah. fun atmosphere. Honestly,
1: honestly, it's
2: pretty live. Like, I I think like not everyone dances, so I can't expect everyone to understand the joy of what it is. But if you like dancing, it's a good time. Like these shows, even if you don't, even if you're not a dancer, watching these shows are a good time. It's like and it's cool like this city is not like edmonton is like no form like commonly known as deadmonton but i definitely think our uh my series went off but like it's i think our communities like dance communities are actually very very talented like very very talented and i honestly and i can say that confidently because i've seen like like i've been to some other communities not to like throw shade but i think what edmonton has is really really special and I think what carries us is actually the community aspect. Like like when you when you're mentioning those groups at the end of classes, like those groups happen in every other dance studio in the world. Like there a lot of dance, regular dance classes do that, but they're honestly not as supportive as they are here. Like people will cheer for you no matter what. People will cheer for you here if you're, if, you, they have, if they know you or if they don't know you. If they have no idea who you are, they cheer for you even louder because they support you for even showing up today. If you're a new dancer, they support you for showing up, for just being here and just, you know, like trying something new. Like, if we could like cheer for each other like that all the time, that'd be amazing. But in other studios, it's sometimes it's it's the exact opposite. It's competitive. Like that moment of like, it's because that's, that's also the equivalent of auditions is like, you know, you do it in small groups and they watch you and everyone watches you. So in an audition setting, it's the same it's the same setting or it's the same thing, but, you know, less cheering, more like, okay, that's my competition. But in our studio or like at least in these classes, it's just like, no, if you're here, it's like, we're just going to celebrate that you're here. We're going to celebrate dancing together. It's just, just meant to be a good time. It's really what dance is all about in the first place anyways. So,
0: And you get a lot of exposure. Yeah. Um, this might be, <laughs> this might be kind of touchy here but um, mm-hmm. I know Taylor Hitala um, had a lot of rise to, to fame through, like, the Edmonton dance community, and even though people are shitting on the Ellen DeGeneres show lately, uh, yeah. she, like, years ago, like, she became famous and made it up on that show. Did you want no, to speak on that? Or? Yeah, t- Taylor,
2: Taylor is huge. Like, I remember the first time I ever saw Taylor dance. I just saw this, like, little 10-year-old girl, like, this girl is really, really good for 10. Like, it's not even, like, actually no sorry not even for 10 just really really good like keeping up like like really really talented just super hardworking and just like like a natural but like that one class in like the, her there's a video of her dancing to anaconda which is what you're talking about that made her viral and that put and that's what put her on ellen and i think like to be honest like like i guess people are shitting on ellen right now but at the time that was huge like, that was a huge thing like someone just like you got virality from just being in a dance studio and just dancing and being really good. And at such, and then now she has like this incredible career, like at such a young age, I think she was like 12 or 13 when she toured with Janet Jackson. Like, so I think that's where we, we were kind of talking about it earlier, but I think that's where like the elitism fear of coming to the studio comes from. Cause it's like, that's the dancer that we know that we've seen from that dance studio. So like, it's not like we're all like that, but it's cool though. It's cool to know that like, that's also a possibility. I think going to LA has definitely a lot more like Demi Lovato has walked in on dance classes before. I don't know if people know her, but Alison Stoner, who to me is the girl from Cheaper by the Dozen or in the Missy Elliott videos, she takes dance classes. There's actually a rule in LA where it's like, don't bother the celebrities. It says that on the door. Like, if you see a celebrity in this room, do not bother them. They are human. Let them be human in this, in this space. It's kind of funny because nice. I guess that's happened before. And if you will go into, like, that Redwall Studio Millennium, there's, like, pictures of famous artists, famous celebrities that have been there, autographed and signed because, like, you know, this is – it's L.A., so this is where they learned to dance. This is where they took their dance classes. Kind of got a tangent. But, yeah, it's dope. I think dance is cool. There's just so many weird things you can do with it. There's so many, and it's always evolving. I think the new hype of like, if people are just looking to be viral. I think just go on TikTok because that's, that's the easiest. <laughs> that's the best thing. Yeah. That's, that's what's, that's what's hot right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So when you're not yeah. doing dance and you're trying to unwind, relax, what do you, what, <laughs> what does Randall Mella do with his, uh, you know, time to do self-care?
2: Okay, it's gonna be really stupid, but I just watch more dance videos.
0: (laughs) I don't think that's stupid.
2: No, I mean, like, cause I just feel like, okay, so it makes you just, it makes you sound like a nerd. But yeah, when I'm not dancing physically in the studio, I actually find myself just going on YouTube and just trying to find videos that inspire me. Um every now and then I'll watch, like I'm very selective when it comes to like Netflix or like TV shows to watch because I want to watch something that like is going to inspire me. I don't want to watch something that makes me feel brain dead. on something that like with the exception of like Big Mouth for some reason because Big Mouth is pretty brain dead humor, but like that's just yeah. funny. that's just good humor it's funny it's awesome. But like <laughs> but when it comes to television shows I really make sure like I'm picking something good because I don't want to waste time on something bad. That's what I'm cuz like other than that I'll read. I do a lot of reading. I try to like, especially since I left school, I'm like, I'm going to make sure I can make four sentences and write down sentences. So reading has saved me from that. And I also just learned a lot from reading just random books. I don't, I don't read like, I don't really read fiction. I read a lot of nonfiction. Like I read a lot of books about business and um, finances. I read a parenting book because I wanted to be better at teaching kids. I read a, a book about training a dog because I got a dog. But then that book also helped me like work with kids a lot better and understand like people you can't actually communicate with. And yeah, just a lot of art. I've read a lot of artist books. But yeah, so reading is like my other big hobby. Um working out, I've been pretty lazy lately that but that used to be there. And I think and if I have like all the time in the world and I feel like i am like, you know, I'm like absolutely chilling, then I'll game. Then I'll like go on my PS4. But like nice. I touch it like literally. Two months within the year, like Christmas <laughs> and some other time, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's it, it's weird that's usually like and then that and then that's what I do when I'm just like by myself, but if I'm not by myself, I'm with friends, I'm just out with people just hanging out usually, sometimes but I also find myself a lot with dancers, just like other people, like my friends from dance, and then sometimes we'll just do the exact same thing. We like, you like dance videos? I like dance videos let's watch some dance videos Or like let's watch a movie that like inspires yeah. us they like that's dope
0: you watch all the yeah, stop kind of the yard movies
2: oh for sure <laughs> i love i love me a good dance movie except um it's funny because i'm at a point where i'm too like i don't want to watch a whole movie so I'll literally just watch the dance scenes
1: oh, yeah, then, like yeah, i'll YouTube. go on like i'll just
2: go on like youtube and just like you know i don't need to pay for this movie but i'll watch all the dance scenes just to see what the dancing is like in that movie because like yeah. the acting like there there's like not not all in the same way that not act not all actors can dance, not all dancers can act, so <laughs> definitely I'll watch the dance scenes. I'll watch what they're best at
0: <laughs> okay, I think this is my last dancing related question, but um, what kind of advice would you give to people that are are new like looking into the looking to get into the dance scene for like the first time?
2: Um, I think the hardest part is just like, don't be scared. Don't be scared to be new at things. I feel like there's such a, there's this huge, because of social media, there's this huge pressure to like be good right away and just be like, and like you see talent, like you see like talented people all the time. You see like the caliber that like, that people are setting. But I think if you're new, then just know that you're new and you're a beginner. So there's no pressure to be good right away. I think just allowing yourself to join the space is already a lot. And like taking like, in, I don't know. I feel like you, if you're going to join, I'm assuming it's because it looks fun and you want to have fun. So I think just don't forget that. Like don't forget that either because that's easy, especially the more as years go by, like it's easy to forget why you started and like what why you felt like, what made you want to dance in the first place. So I think just those two things. Don't be scared and just remember to have fun. And there's no pressure to be amazing. Just have fun. That's all we're trying to do. As long as you're having fun, should be good. It should be a good time.
1: Nice. And
2: plus like we're nice people. So I feel like <laughs> yeah. if you're in Edmonton, you know, really don't like definitely don't be scared because you'll you'll make a lot of friends here.
0: Don't worry. <laughs> So let's transition into my community shout-out segment on the podcast. So in this segment, we talk about how like it um, takes like a village to raise a child. As a result, we want to share all the um, different kind of organizations, groups within the city, province, stuff like that. Is there any kind of shout-out in the community you'd like to do for us today, Randall?
2: Shout-out to Cool Drafts because those are all my homies. But also, shout-out to... The Core Dance Studio, because they've done a lot for me, like going into like my dance career, especially. Shout out to Guy, because that's where I started. And then shout out to my family, because, you know, my family's huge, or I guess our family's huge.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: But there's a lot of us. I'm trying to think of other things I want to shout out. I also want to just like, I don't know if this is like a political thing. This shouldn't be political, but like Black Lives Matter. Like, that should not have to be political, in my opinion. That should just be, like, let's just stop killing people for no reason and let them be and let them live, no matter who they are. I feel like yeah, that should be very obvious, but for some reason is not. So <laughs> that is that is my standpoint. Um, Thank you. And just, like, yeah, maybe, you know, elect someone that isn't Trump for once.
0: <laughs> as, as Canadians, we're so invested in American politics, you know.
2: I think as I think everyone's invested in American politics because it's just like the best reality TV. Like, if you're not American, like then what you watch, like, because I go on Reddit a lot. and That's actually one of the one things I do in my spare time a lot. I just go on Reddit, but like, like it's not just Canadians. Like the whole world sees like American politics, and just like everyone is just like how like how that's all i'll say about it just like how is any of this happening like how like how can how can anything be this bad in regards to politics i don't know
0: i, w- I want to you <laughs> know i'm, I'm going to say my little piece on here before we move on um yeah. But something i wanted to talk about is like <clears throat> and I, I guess i should have mentioned it earlier these these are just my thoughts but like you know human rights aren't political human rights should be given they shouldn't this, this shouldn't be something you argue about politics should be arguing about like mm-hmm um taxes or like trading international trade resources but we're talking about human lives here like Mm -hmm. when we when we talk about like how nba players have taken protests in the playoffs and they've chosen not to play um we we see like nba players like predominantly black players as our entertainment and then Mm -hmm. when we like when you see comments saying like they should just get back to playing they're millionaires blah 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 like yeah but they're like they're people and like they're like it shouldn't be overlooked like they they Mm -hmm. they provide us like entertainment we should like respect like what they're what they're fighting for what what we all should be fighting for um so i i just wanted to give a just talk about that really quickly for
2: sure i think it's just like it's just weird like i don't get how people are bold on social media it's like like if you make a comment on social media that doesn't follow it's like it's almost it's almost openly admitting that you're just racist like, that's pretty bold so it's like
1: yeah i don't
2: know like i, I like i 100 agree with what you said like if we're like we want like we make there's so much money being made off of like black lives already in the nba that it's just like how can we like we need to like we need to we just got to respect them we gotta like that like like if that's a, like their yeah. their and their brother like, their brothers and sisters are dying like their people are their their people are literally dying, and for no and for no good reason and it's just like and we see it like especially when you're talking about Jacob Blake earlier like there's also Kyle Rittenhouse the 17 year old who killed like three people on video, and or I think he killed two people he shot three on footage, and then walked by the police, and they, and it's just like and then how can you shoot an unarmed right. man. Yeah, how can you shoot an unarmed man seven times in the back and just like. And that's the. I think that's the same. I think the sad part is that's the same state, maybe even the same city. Like. Yeah, Kenosha. Yeah. So if. Like, if that. Like, at that point, you have to say. Like, you can't. There's no way you can stand by and just be like, okay. Like, then like, that's the How can just you expect players to just <laughs> go to
0: work the next day and. Yeah. Yeah. I, you like you you watch the games, you listen to the music, but then like, yeah. Anyways, um like
2: even me, like I couldn't ugh. even like, like <laughs> with everything happening, I was just like, I don't even want to dance today. I don't want to do yeah. anything today. I just want to like, I just want to find ways I can support and just be a better supporter because like you know, what I'm doing right now isn't like dancing, teaching dance isn't the most important thing, right now to me. It's just kind of like we gotta. I don't know. I feel like as if, it, it could be as simple as just like every community just standing together. Like, I think like the protest in Edmonton was beautiful. Actually, there was like, I don't even know, like 15,000 people, like yeah, 20,000 people there.
1: Yeah, and yeah. just
2: like of all sorts of all different races too, just like uniting and just like understanding that there's a serious problem. There's a serious issue and that like we can unite together and all agree upon it and understand that there needs to be a real change but I also understand that this is Edmonton and like um, there's not to, not to say there's no racism here, but, you know, I think it's a lot easier for us to, to have like a peaceful protest than it is to do in the States, because I think it's really, it really is against, it really is like the bad guys here are really like the American police force in just different States. So. I don't know. Hmm. I I think I'll I think I'll I'll never really fully understand it because one I'm not um black or indigenous, so I think I'll never like, go like I think Asians we have our own like there's there's racism towards Asians that we deal with, but I think not to the extremes that um black and indigenous people of color are dealing with right now in North America. Hundred percent. And I feel like and, and I think just like. Asian American, like, Asian American racism is, is, it's tough right now, because it's just for, I think, in the weird way, it's funny. It's almost just funny. Like, then, like, like, I feel like I've, like, growing up, I've learned to make jokes about, like, my race, and make jokes about racism, and, like, it's fun being, like, you know, in a school with predominantly, like, white kids, like, it's fun to be the Asian kid, because then, and then we can make Asian jokes, and I wouldn't take offense to it, because, you know, it's just, like, I never saw it as anything damaging. But I think right now, just like, you know, people wanting even something as simple as kids wanting to be able to say the N-word and not understanding why. It's just like I think there's a there's a big history that you need to understand why you can't say it. And if you and I feel like if you know why you can't say it and you still want to say it because it's just a word, then it's not it's not a matter of like you want to understand why and you want to it's like it's just you want to be able to prove something or i don't know
0: or like you but want I to think, say it because you know you're not allowed to
2: yeah i think but at the same but it shouldn't be like that like i think there's definitely like a, there's there's just words you shouldn't be saying i think like because those words are there to like literally hurt that was made it was made to hurt so i think i don't know words are dangerous no, no, words are dangerous. I think another thing too right now, I'll talk about it, is um even with the Me Too movement, like I think the word like the word rape is used out of context so much that I think like that's a huge problem. That's what kind of normalized that's what kind of normalized it is the fact that like that word was thrown around out of context so many times, just to like talk about like when I would play like COD and then people would like and then like and then like if you beat the other team that's the word you would use like it's almost to a point where like i'm trying really hard not to say it anymore just to like understand the power of that word because i think that's the problem like these words are really these words are a lot more powerful than we know and i think we need to kind of i think to remove the power from them is to almost actually like you know, avoid saying them. Let's just t- keep keep it keep it out of my vocabulary. It's like saying Voldemort. Like I know, like everyone in the Harry Potter universe doesn't even want to say Voldemort because of how like, you know, yeah, you know, like, like it sounds cheesy, but it's like that's that's the truth though. Like these are really like those words should not be thrown around lightly. So stop throwing it around lightly if we can.
1: <laughs>
0: Definitely. Yeah. So my next segment is Asian of the Week. Is there any specific Asian person that you want to give a shout out to? Whether you know them, or you don't really know them. For some
2: reason, okay, I was just thinking of this guy a lot recently. But fucking Dante Bosco. Nice. Yes. And
0: if you don't
2: know who Dante oh, this is a good Bosco one. <laughs> is, if you don't know who Dante Bosco is, he was like that guy is like the fucking Asian hero actually for the for the media industry because like that guy who got the. Dopest roles as, like, as for, for just being an Asian in Hollywood and in Disney and Nickelodeon. So, like, if you don't know, I'm sorry, if you don't know who Dante Bosco is, he's the fucking Jake the American Dragon. He's like mm-hmm. Rufio from mm-hmm. the Peter Pan movie. And he's just like, fuck, yeah. I, he, he, he got so many random Disney roles. Like, he's like, the I don't know if you ever watched The Proud Family, if you're listening to this, but he was like the, the Chinese dude. And he was just so cool. He was like the Chinese guy that plays Romeo in the play. Oh man!
0: Let's not forget about Zuko from Avatar. Oh yeah,
2: fucking Zuko. Yeah, like, yeah Dante Bosco. I don't know why I was thinking of him randomly. I was just like that guy. Yeah, I'm gonna shout him out.
0: (laughs) Sweet. You want to play a game? Not really a game. It's just a fun segment that I've never done before. Oh, this is a
2: surprise. Yeah, sure.
0: Where's my surprise? Okay. Well, we can do this, and then I also have a short game after if you want to do that. Sure. It's kind of fun. Okay. So, and I've, <laughs> since telling you, I was going to have you on as my guest, Randall, I've reached mm-hmm. out to some of our family members to ask, uh, to be like, Hey, do you have any questions you want to ask Randall? Whether they're like funny or whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to tell you the question and you can, and just cause like, maybe, maybe give like a couple sentences to, to answer each question. Cause there's a couple here. Yeah. And then at the end of answering the question, you can try to guess who the person uh, who said the question was
1: sure okay
0: uh okay so this one's kind of light but ask him about the maple story rap we did when we were younger
2: <laughs> is this gerald no it's either gerald or, it's, either, it's either gerald or leon it can't be like if it's archie like i don't know if archie was playing maple story with us at the time Tell oh, us about man. It. we i don't know we were okay so at one point in time like we wanted to be rappers yeah. <laughs> like and we made a rap and we were like me like me gerald leon and rodney were all like all about like we're trying to be rappers yeah fuck even rob and jill were trying to be rappers like we, we kept making songs yeah some dope tracks actually but like i don't know where they are anymore but we made this one song about maple story and i remember we got roasted <laughs> i just remember trying to record it, it was so funny because we put in like we put in arrest as in like this is the part like there's one count where you don't no one no one talks it's like so it says like <laughs> okay how's it going because maple story ate a game it's a life but someone kept fucking it up <laughs> <laughs> They'd like maple story in maple story ate a game it's a life i'm like no you got to take a break there so you put it in rest you're like you know you got to you got to rest there you don't you don't say anything and someone would just be like maple story ate a, it's a life I'm like yeah we just oh yeah we couldn't record it we, it was just trash <laughs> it's so funny we speak oh i can't believe it has to be gerald Okay. It's not John. It's, it's Leon or Rodney.
0: That one was Leon.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> this one says, which fight with your brothers was most memorable?
2: I don't know. I remember one where I think we were vacationing and I think we were in like Quebec and I remember we were like play fighting and then I took like this plastic bag which had like a can of mango juice or something it had a can, like, it just had like an aluminum can in it, and it was full. I already just swung it right at book, like like Rob, like right at his back, and like I could tell that hurt because I heard the sound. And I, and then as soon as he like as soon as it hit him, he just saw me and just like pushed me as hard as he could into a wall and like like off the bed into a wall. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that that one. There's that. That's one. I don't know. There's also like there's also fights like I don't know. There's so many. I'm trying to think. There's so many in my old house. Definitely all in my old house. Just about like playing hockey or playing camping. I don't know why there were fights when we would play camping, or even just wrestling fights. They had so many WWE fights. That's a that that, like that that thing that meme about little siblings and just like trying wrestling moves. That was definitely me growing up, but just being the (laughs) younger sibling. (laughs) Was that Robert Rodney? or?
0: It was Rodney yeah <laughs> okay uh ask him if he still has to close all the doors when he plays video games
2: that's bog that's definitely <laughs> bog that's when i played cod i don't know what it was but like i just had to close, like every door in the basement just had to be closed and it was such a i don't know what it was i just couldn't focus if there wasn't if it wasn't like that and it's so stupid because rob knew that And like like many like one i'm in the basement and i was one two three four five six seven there's seven doors like there's so all so I heard I'll be playing and they would be like, and then Rob would run out and he would open every single door. And <laughs> for some reason I would just stop. Like I wouldn't even continue playing. I would like put down the controller and run and close all the doors. <laughs> and then just go back. And I just like, I don't know what it was. I just, like, just like, I think it was just, I don't know what I'm looking for. Like a ritual or a tradition or just like, oh, it just, it, it, it took me off my game. Like if there was a door open, like if the and for some reason, I would just know. Like, I would, like, be losing. And I'd be like, what the fuck? And I would go upstairs, and then the upstairs door is open. And I'm like,
0: fuck. Oh, even, even the doors <laughs> that are far away?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like,
2: uh- <laughs> oh, man, that's so... Also, fun fact. One cool giraffe was just, like, my gamertag. I got that from Chris Batista.
1: Oh, I nice. A new
2: gamertag. So, shout out to Chris Batista, too. That's where a cool drafts. I mean, people keep asking where cool drafts came from. Came from my gamertag, but that's where my gamertag came from. So, but yeah, that was Bugs' question, right? Because <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. like, yeah, only he knows that. That's so funny. Damn. Don't rusty about that.
0: <laughs> okay, so now we'll, we'll go into a short uh, gaming, uh, short short game here that we're gonna play. Uh, it's so this game is called Cap or No Cap, right? So Cap is like most people like. To, associated the term with like lying so like when yeah. people like are like that's a lie like yeah, yeah that's a lie yeah. so if you're like if you're t- if you're like no, oh, i'm telling the truth no cap it means like you're not you're not lying mm-hmm. so i'm gonna read some um statements here from the news and you can tell me whether like these are real like these actually happen or if they're from like a fake uh-huh. news site like all right
1: yeah
0: okay here we go here's the qu- first question the groom jokes that 2020 has not yet been the best year. And then lightning strikes at his wedding. No cap. cap. Or no cap. I
2: feel like that could be real.
0: You're right. It's no cap. It's real.
2: No
0: cap. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice, nice. Okay. This one's <laughs> TikTok creators are pretending to be Holocaust victims in heaven in a new trend called. Trauma porn. Tap. No cap.
2: What? I was, yeah. I, was thinking, I was like, it has to be fake. I would have seen that. I'm <laughs> not going to look it up. <laughs>
1: like, uh,
0: okay. okay. Ireland under attack from extremely aggressive seagulls spreading E. coli.
2: I, I almost just want to say no cap because I think that sounds hilarious. But cap? No cap. What the fuck Is that, Wait, say that again.
0: Ireland under attack from extremely aggressive seagulls spreading E. coli. Aggressive
2: seagulls. I gotta look up. That's oh, that's already. Oh, there's other videos. I don't know why. I, I feel like that's traumatic. I don't know why I'm trying to find videos of
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you
0: can go on. <laughs> okay. Man who believes there are only two genders thinks should be thinks there should be a ninth Rocky movie. No cap. Cap. Really? I yeah. feel like
2: that was like the most believable one so far. I really <laughs> want some <laughs>
0: yeah anyways i thought that was fun uh there's like there's these instagram pages um i follow like that the, it, the the one that i was reading off of the first one it's called not the onion
2: not
0: the onion that's even funnier because the and onion's then, are already funny yeah and then the other one <laughs> yeah. is Reductress. yeah oh huh. cool uh great we are coming up here to the end of, of our show uh randall did you have any final thoughts um can you tell us like what kind of upcoming projects you have and where we can find you on social media
1: i don't
2: have any like personal projects happening anytime soon um i am about to go film um what's called a self-tape for this audition it's basically like the form of like online video submissions for auditioning now because you can't do live ones anymore you can't be in person So as soon as this podcast is done, I'm probably going to go do that. And then I'm going to go out to Fort Mac to go teach. And then when I'm back, I'm probably going to just, you know, I'll be around. Um, I was actually planning on moving to Vancouver. Like I was set on it moving in September, but then COVID happened. So it really made me think about like, I wasn't working as much. So I didn't know how I was going to be able to set, like do rent there. But that is my next big move, I still think. Like, I think I have my, my ultimate goal is to move to L.A. and be, like, a a citizen there in the States for some reason. I guess I want I – I don't know. Maybe I don't want to be a citizen, but I do want to be able to work in the States. So that is the ultimate goal, and I feel like moving to Vancouver is a step in that direction still. So that is what kind of where I'm leaning towards right now in this moment. But anyways, um, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I post most of my content, at at onecoolgiraffe, all words. And on YouTube, if you just look up my name, Randall Mella, you can find me there. I have a few videos, not too many, but there's there's videos there. Yeah. I would say TikTok, but I don't post anything on TikTok. If you go on my TikTok right now, it's just me taking off my shirt, mid-handstand, and me taking off my pants, mid-handstand. You yeah, want to people see that. Will probably
0: want to see that. So, what's the
2: <laughs> <laughs> one cool giraffe on TikTok? Yo, I think it's I think it's impressive. I can take off, like, I can hold I can do it, I can hold a handstand and take off my pants at the same time. Yeah,
0: yeah, lot, yeah we talk about a video. lot of nudity in this episode, but uh... <laughs> all right. Well, no. uh, that does it for the second generation banana podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I was joined by Randall Mella, you can find it at one cool giraffe on instagram thanks for listening i'm about to split. take care everybody bye now peace out